Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Is it possible to be cheerful no matter what? It sounds like a tall order, but today, Ankur Singh shares how our attitudes shape the way others view us as believers and explains how the world we live in today isn't much different than those in Thessalonica in the Apostle Paul's day. And his message, Rejoice and Recognize. So, we are still in the book or letters of the Thessalonians, uh, written by Paul himself, the Apostle. I'm going to be reading to you, uh, worshiping with you, uh, studying with you uh, the fifth chapter from the first book of the Thessalonians. But uh, before we start reading, I just want to give you a, a brief history, a little background on what uh, was going on back in the day. What was, what was uh, the culture like? What were the people like? And uh, maybe you can relate. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll just leave it up to you to decide. First of all, let's talk about the population. The population at the time Paul wrote this letter was about 100,000. 100,000 people, citizens, occupants, however you want to put it. 100,000 people lived in uh, Thessalonica at this point. And these uh, people were from Greek descent, from Roman descent. And among these Greeks and Romans were also a few believers, uh, as we uh, know them from back then. They were called Jews. So among the, the Thessalonians, the Greeks and the Romans were some Jews as well. Now, the, the religious setting at this point in time was very interesting. Not only did you have uh, pantheism, you had idolatry, and it was openly accepted that you can worship any god that you wanted to. Not only that, this city was strategically located on a trade route. And I believe uh, if you want to modernize the term trade route, you can say highway. This town was strategically located on a highway that took you to places of interest, whether you were going north or south, east or west. So wherever you were going, you had to pass through Thessalonica. And so here we are in, in Thessalonica, back during the time of Paul. And I want to pause and look at these facts again. And I want us to ask ourselves, do these settings sound familiar? Do you live in a city that has a population over 100,000 people? Do you work or go to school in a city that openly accepts all religions, all faiths, where there is some form of idolatry? Do you live in a city that is strategically located on a trade route, so to speak, going north? or south, east, or west? And in this city, are there a sizable number of believers? And to modernize believers, I'm going to say a sizable amount of Christians. 
Do you live in a city like this? Do you, do you work in a city like this? Do your children, do you yourself go to a school in a city like this? Let this remind you that scripture, though it was written so long ago, is still relevant today. It's still relevant today. But Paul is asking us, Paul is asking us to do two things. He's asking us to recognize, but before we recognize, he wants us to rejoice. Now let us go to scripture. First Thessalonians chapter five. I'm going to start reading verses 16 onwards. First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. I'm going to begin reading at verse 16. And it says, very simply, rejoice always. Rejoice always. I think I've used that word three times now, if you're keeping track. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and he's saying very clearly, have an attitude of joy always. How? How can I be happy all the time? How can I be cheerful all the time? How can I rejoice always when I just lost my job? How can I rejoice when there's a tragedy in my family? How can I rejoice? Matter of fact, why should I rejoice when I'm not where I want to be in life? How can I rejoice always? Just yesterday, I was at the grocery store. I was buying some flowers uh, for my fiance. It was her birthday, and she specifically said, I want flowers. That's all. I'm like, okay, I gotta get flowers. So I'm at the store, I'm going through, you know, the arrangements that they have, and, and I pick a few, and I ask the, the florist if she could arrange it for me, and, and she put it together amazingly. Uh, a skill I think I will never acquire. But here I am with my flowers, and I'm like, I think she'll really like these. And so I walk up to the register, I set him on the, on, on the belt, and, and they start moving forward, and then he... He scans them, you hear the beep, and then he, you know, the click a click of the register, and he tells you the total. I said, like, okay. Where is my wallet? Did I leave it with the florist? I'll be right back. So I run back. I'm going through every, every arrangement they have to see if I drop my wallet. Then I backtrack my steps, you know, through the health aisle, then through the, the card section because I bought a card or picked a card I haven't paid yet, you know. Then I walked over and I thought the candy section was here, but it wasn't. So I'm trying to find my wallet. And then this verse comes back to me because I've been studying it this week and it says, rejoice always. And I'm like, now? <laughs> How? She said, Flowers. I have flowers, but I can't pay for the flowers. So that means I have no flowers. Rejoice always. 
I did, however, find my wallet later. I was able to pay for the flowers, which bought me some time uh, to set up, well, I shouldn't say set up, to set the flowers on the table before she came home and, you know, write the card, spend a little more time uh, on my penmanship. But it worked out. But the point is, God spoke to me and said through his word, rejoice always. And it was so hard for me to rejoice. So how can we rejoice always? How can we be joyful always? If you continue reading in the same passage, the very next verse starts to show us how we can rejoice always. It says in verse 17, pray without ceasing. Not pray continuously setting all the cares of the world aside. Pray without ceasing in the sense of breathing. You don't think about breathing. You don't count every time you inhale or exhale. It's just part of your life. It's second nature. And through Paul, God is asking us to make prayer second nature. When we're speaking to someone, it comes out as a prayer. When we're eating a meal, the thankfulness comes out as a prayer. Whatever we're doing, we are praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing. And when you do that, guess what, what's happening? You are fulfilling what Scripture is asking us to do when it says, and in the words of Jesus, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. I don't know about you, but I want God to abide in me. So, to be able to rejoice always, you want to start making prayer second nature. And then the next verse says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. Whether you find your wallet and everything in it is missing, give thanks. Whether your relationship is going south, give thanks. Whether everything you dreamed of has finally come true, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. At the university I'm going to right now, Washington Adventist University, a proud student in my sophomore year, uh, we just concluded a week of prayer, and Pastor Tapp shared with us some amazing, amazing uh, uh, lessons, life principles that we could apply to our daily lives. And during one of his messages, he shared the story of an abbot from France, a saint, a saint by the name Saint Bernard. Now the story goes something like this. Whenever Saint Bernard faced any trials, he would often be seen walking up and down the abbey, mumbling something under his breath, mumbling something under his breath. And I don't want to butcher what he was saying, so I'm going to read it from my notes. And I want you to repeat it after me. This is what he was mumbling. Quid? 
Quid? Hawk? Ad? Aternitum. Aternitum. Quid hot act aternitum. Any idea what this means? Anybody? This is what the abbot was mumbling under his breath. This is what he was saying. And when I heard this, I had to pause. What does it matter in the light of eternity? When he was faced with trials, he started mumbling under his breath. What does what I'm going through now matter in light of eternity? What does it matter? How is this going to affect eternity? How it will not, how it cannot, how I will not let it affect my eternity. Powerful, powerful testimony of how in everything we can give thanks and get us one step closer to an attitude of joyfulness to where we can say we rejoice always. We rejoice when we are up. We rejoice when we are down. We rejoice regardless of what life throws at you. And then scripture goes on to say, do not quench the spirit. And then again it says, do not despise prophecies. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Do not ignore the Holy Spirit. Do not ignore the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a comforter as a counselor, as a revealer of truth. How in the world can we expect to rejoice always if we're going to ignore that which reveals truth to us? How can we expect to rejoice always when we ignore the comforter? Think about that. How can you rejoice always when the thing, the resource that gives joy. You are cutting it out of your life. So do not despise prophecy. Do not. Do not. Hinder the work of the Spirit. In everything, give thanks. Pray without ceasing. And when you start this journey, you will find yourself Rejoicing always. You will find yourself rejoicing always. Now, what do you think will happen if we lived our lives like this? Let's look at Scripture again. When we rejoice, we are connected with the source of joy. And when we have tasted the contentment it gives us, we want more. I liked that. I liked being able to rejoice always. I want more. How can I get more? Scripture says, verse 21, 
test all things. And he's specifically talking about scripture. It's not saying, go out into the world, try everything once, and then come back. It's saying, no, test all things that the word of God is claiming it can do, it has done, and will do. Test God. Test the word of God and continue to live in this attitude of joyfulness. Test all things and you will rejoice always. You will rejoice always. And when you start this relationship and your attitude of joyfulness perpetuates and you find yourself closer and closer and closer to Christ, you start looking at the world differently. Everybody you look at, now you can't help but look at them through the eyes of Jesus Christ himself. You are convicted, you are moved to do what? Let's look at scripture again. Rejoicing will make you do this. I'm reading a couple of verses in the same passage, starting at verse 12, still in the the fifth chapter of Thessalonians. And it says, Brethren, recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. When you start living joyfully, when you rejoice always, when you have connected with Christ, you start to recognize you start to recognize other people. You start to recognize the hard work they're doing. You start to recognize that God has put them in authority over me. And you start to recognize that, you know what? Maybe mom and dad do give me constructive criticism. And they're not out to get me. They're not out to make me fail. To make me conform to this picture perfect image of a Christian child. No, they're out for my best interest. When you rejoice always, when you commune with Christ, you recognize people. And when you recognize these people and what they do, you cannot help. But again, do what Scripture says. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Esteem them very highly in love. Give them affirmation. Let them know. Hey, Jessica, thank you for practicing and getting with James and and using your gifts to praise and worship God. Hey, Sue, thank you so much for the hard work you've put in to the planning for the adventure year. Can't wait to see what happens. Thank you, deacons, for your hard work. Affirmation is always better when it comes from someone else. An affirmation that is filled with the Spirit of God can change you. Rejoice always and you will recognize the need to affirm one another, to encourage one another. What a blessing to know that people out there don't hate you. What a blessing it is to know that the hard work you're doing, people do appreciate. When you 
start living with Christ, like I said over and over again. When you rejoice always, you also start to recognize this fact. You start to recognize that peace matters, order matters. You start to recognize that we need to get along. We live in a sinful world and all of us are sinners. If we do not live in peace, we are not going to survive. You recognize the need to promote this peace when it says in Scripture, and I move down to uh, verse 14, and it says, Brethren, warn those who are unruly. It's not calling them out. It's not pointing. He's the one. She's the one. They're responsible. I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? Why are you so against peace, order? What's the matter with you? I'm supposed to do that in Scripture. No. And it says, warn, warn. It's asking us to encourage. It's asking us to encourage people to follow the order of lifestyle that Christ wishes for us. You start to recognize that need to do that. Behold how good and joyful it is when brothers dwell together in harmony. When we come to church, we can look at each other in the face, and when we say happy Sabbath, we mean happy Sabbath. When we shake our hands, each other's hands, when we exchange hugs, you know, it's genuine. Rejoice always, you will recognize that needs to happen. Not only that, you will also recognize the faint-hearted. You will also recognize the weak among you. You will recognize the need that need need to be upheld. They need to be encouraged. And ultimately, this. And I want to share verse. It's in the same passage, but there it is right there. Verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. There are among us, like I said, weak, faint-hearted, and those of us that are stronger, whether it's physically or spiritually. And Scripture is saying, look out for the good of both yourself and others. It's reminding us that each and every one of us is a piece of dirt. Can you imagine one piece of dirt rolling over to the other? Hey, I roll down from that hill. That makes me more important. I don't think so. I've been here longer than you have. Two pieces of dirt. Two pieces of dirt arguing as to which one is better. No. Your good and the good of others matters. We are all equal because we're all in the same race. We're all trying to be more like Christ. We're all trying to live a life that is pleasing to him. Two pieces of dirt can come together and make a bigger piece. And that piece can roll and meet another piece. And that piece can be joined with another piece. 
And then we need some prettier pieces, so we take some from here and we put them, and all of a sudden you have a firm foundation of Christian believers. And we're building ourselves, preparing ourselves for Christ's return. Don't miss out on that. You and I and the people around you, whether they are weak, whether they are faint-hearted, whether they are the strongest you have met spiritually, physically, we are all equal in the eyes of God. Let us treat each other like that. Let us treat each other like that. But I know it is not easy to rejoice always. How can you encourage somebody to to keep working hard at the job they're at when you yourself aren't employed? When your relationships are falling apart, how can you support someone else's? It is hard. In the Gospel of John, Christ himself makes it clear. In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. But the following words remind us of who God is. They say, in this world, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Yes, it is possible to rejoice always because we have a Savior who has our best interest at heart. We have a Savior who gave his life for ours. While we were yet sinners, he looked down at all these pieces of dirt, all babbling and and casting lots for his garment. He sees some pieces of dirt crying and weeping They see some pieces of dirt disappointed. This wasn't the king we were hoping for. And he sees some pieces of dirt that are being ignored altogether. And he looks down at all these pieces of dirt. He looks down at all of us. And then he looks back at his father and says, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. This Christ has made himself available to all of us so we all can rejoice always. And when we all rejoice all the time, when we are joyful, we can recognize that we are not alone in this world. You matter just as much as I do. Your feelings matter just as much as mine do. Let us work together to build each other up. Let us work together when we stumble and fall to extend a hand. This is possible because, and I close with this passage again from the writing of Paul, he who has started a good work in you will see it to completion. God recognizes that you want to be joyful. And he sees the struggle that comes with it. He sees that you want to get along. He sees your genuine want to reach out to others. And he's reminding us, I have started that good work in you. And I will make sure it's finished. Just hang in there.
Just hang in there. Do you want to rejoice always? Do you want to come to the recognition that you are not alone in this world and that the person sitting next to you, Jesus died for them also? The person sitting behind you, across from you, the person that didn't come to church today, Jesus died for them also. We all matter to Christ. Let us matter to each other. Let us rejoice always. Let that joyfulness draw us closer to our Savior. And let it help us recognize that us, these tiny pieces of dirt, if we have faith in Christ, he will see the work through. He will see the work through. That is his promise. And he keeps his promises. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Every day, each and every day, you give us clods of dirt, pieces of dirt, another chance to be happy, to be joyful, to rejoice. Each and every day, you invite us to walk closer with you through prayer, to walk closer with you through thanksgiving, to walk closer to you by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And Lord, let this work not stop because there's people out there, outside of this church, maybe the person sitting next to us in church that needs to know that you love them too. So let us recognize the needs of others and realize that they matter too. And Lord, just like you did on earth, became a servant, may we humbly accept the same calling and through our joyfulness, serve you by serving others. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at frederick.sdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link. 